0: Hello, RIP City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying this beautiful Saturday, the 7th of December. I am Keith Feltner-Smith. He over there is Ty Delbridge. What up? And you are listening to the Podland Trailcasters. And Ty, uh, where can they find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook?
1: At Trailcasters.
0: And if they're wanting to write us an email, where can they send us those emails?
1: At trailcasters at gmail.com.
0: And if they are going to give us a ratings on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever they are finding our podcast. What are we looking for?
1: Five stars.
0: Yes. And if they're liking these lovely beats from Odar, where can they find the music from Odar here?
1: Soundcloud.com slash odarbeats.
0: Yes, sir. And please, guys, always support your local artists and please always support our sponsors, Envy Adventures. And clearly speaking, from day one, they've been supporting the showcasters. You can find Envy Adventures at enviadventures.com for flights all over the Northwest. Uh, beautiful scenery on the, around the gorge, around Portland, around Mount Hood, the dunes, anything you want to get out to for around a 100 bucks, give or take. You find those sales. Uh, I think you can get four of those seats up in the plane. Talk to them at enviadventures.com. And if you need help speaking to them, go and talk to Brenda at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. She's a licensed speech and hearing pathologist. She can help you out with all of your speech and hearing needs, such as voice fatigue, stutters, stress, accent, anything you need. uh, Speaking at a highly accelerated rate, which is the one that I'm working on, Uh, Brenda can help you out. So go and find her work at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Today's guest he started his journalism career in Florida, uh, moved to Oregon in 2006. He's worked for The Oregonian and Oregon Live. He, uh, We met when he was a site expert over at Rip City Project. And he's the new father of Quincy. Congratulations, Matt George Moore, and thank you for joining us. How are you, sir? I'm good.
2: How are you guys doing today?
0: Doing well, man. I I, I feel like we are, uh, you know, I was saying in, the, in our little pre-taping here uh, that our pre-recording, I guess, pre-taping is a different thing. I'm learning all these technical terms now in the industry. Uh, But before you started recording, I was, uh, you know, sharing with you guys that I was a bit depressed this morning, kind of woke up, not really sure what to do. I hadn't even started the outline because it just threw it all out the window (laughs) halfway through the game last night. I wasn't really sure how to approach this, but got on here with you two uh, Blazer fans and, and, you know, I'm feeling a lot better, feeling good about it overall. I think we're going to be all right. How about you, Ty? You, that you, was mostly
1: feeling? all Matt who uh, came in and he really uh, pepped us up because we came yes. in. I wasn't too uh, <laughs> cheerful either, but Matt came in with his positive attitude and <laughs> his remarks and he's got us back on the right track, I think.
2: That's what I hope to bring uh, <laughs> to, the, to the podcast today, gentlemen. A bit of uh, Perspective on uh, uh, some optimistic perspective. to we'll see how we can do this. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I woke up this morning and um, I don't know if it was the first thing I thought about, but it was one of the first things I thought about. And I just went, oh man, because... You know, as uh, Nate Jones and some others have pointed out on uh, Twitter last night, uh, in the, you know, in less than a calendar year, the Blazers have lost three starters to season-ending injuries. So, uh, let it's, me, its tough to be optimistic, but uh, let's try.
0: Let <laughs> me—let me actually, you know, I, I will try to be optimistic, uh, and I do like the sunshine you bring, sir. I appreciate it. But just on that one too, forget even a calendar year. I was talking to Ty earlier, said almost the same thing. If you take out the off-season of basketball. It's essentially in the last four months of of NBA basketball being played, we've lost three of our uh, starters. Thank God we haven't lost the stars such as Dame and CJ Uh, would put us in a whole nother world of hurt. But we will, again, get to that one later. Let's start with some good stuff. Uh, Mello, right after I recorded last week with Tara. uh, Shout out to Tara Bowen Biggs, team mom. uh, Wonderful guest last week. We had a great discussion. Uh, We were talking about Mello, but the day after we recorded, he was uh, awarded player of the week for the Western Conference in the NBA. Uh, it was the first time he's won this in five years, not since 2014. It followed uh, a week of three victories, which he was a fairly large player in all of them. He averaged 22 points. I don't even remember what the other numbers were off the top of my head, but he was a contributor for us in in wins. And I think the uh, the controversy over this, which is what Ty uh, brought up, is a lot of people were maybe... Uh, kind of standing for some other players who put in bigger numbers for their teams, but this seemed to be more about the storyline. Is that what you were getting at, Ty?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like I was all for it, but I saw a lot of people were hating on it. They thought it should have been Harden, uh, but I guess his stats didn't fully line up within, like, the week of the games they examined. Like, he had scored, like, his, like, really big points, like, I think it's, like, a day before, Sun or on Saturday before they looked at it and stuff like that. So his stats didn't fully translate. I know people were saying Luca should have got it. He's going to get plenty of player of the Weeks. He's going to get, he, I'm pretty sure he won player of the month. So he's fine. He's going to get all the awards. Give it to Melo. I think the, uh, I think I told you that, it's the league really wants to push a narrative. They uh, they can So they really wanted to push Melo being back and how good he is, how good he is for the league. and Good for him and good for the Blazers, good for the league to have, have Melo back and, and looking like he's a contributor and not a wash.
0: And and that was kind of the point that I had brought up before I throw this to you, Matt, uh, was that this is not an award that is voted on by fans or by media uh, like some of the other awards that we often kind of talk about. It should have been this guy, it should have been this one as far as stats and merits. This is just an award that they can... It's something that just a group of people in some league office somewhere can pass out as they see fit. So I think it's okay for it to be a storyline thing, not just based on who put up the biggest numbers. And, you know, come on, if people are going to take it that way, shouldn't we really be talking about how we uh, vote on all-stars and all those kind of things as far as merits? But how do you feel, Matt, as far as... uh, Melo getting this award do you think it, are, are you on it just because i think all of us are going to support it because it's a blazer right but do you think this is anything to really be concerned about that it's not purely stat based
2: no i don't think that's a concern at all it's a fans league um we're all supposed to be yeah. having fun watching these games I, um, I don't know the uh necessarily the ins and outs of uh, how they choose who they choose but i was pleased to see that Melo got chosen and uh, i probably should have prefaced, prefaced my comments by saying that i was one of the doubters Um, amongst Rip City, um, faithful as to bringing in Mello in the first place and whether he would be able to contribute. And I'm happy to say that so far, at least, um, I've been wrong about that. I thought he was going to be a dud. I think I said so on Twitter. But uh, he's brought (laughs) some energy, some life. And Mello just seems like a really great kind of guy. He fits in, I think, Portland uh, as well or better than most people you could have brought in. Um, so I'm happy to see him uh, win this award, and I'm happy to be wrong that he wouldn't be much of a contributor. And, um, you know, now that we're facing some more in- injuries, we're going to need him even more. But uh, I don't know if you guys happen to read or see some of the pieces that were published over the past week about Melo and LeBron's um, friendship over yeah. the years. Um, it really brings some insight into the kind of person that Melo is and has always been. Uh, I suggest you read uh, some of those. Um, and uh, Jason Quick... And another writer for the Athletic uh, did a piece um, on the two of them as well. So um, I was totally wrong. Um, he's absolutely he absolutely looks great. Um, I love watching him play again. I'm glad he's in a, a Rip City jersey, and um, I think that uh, I'm happy that he won Player of the Week.
0: Well, the, the Jason Quick one that you mentioned is the one that I've re- that I read the other day as well, and. Uh yeah, it's, it's impressive. And even uh, I think they did a piece on ESPN as well showing some pictures of LeBron and Mello uh, from 17 years ago. Uh, and it's, it's, it's quite a trip just to kind of look back on that. And you're not alone either, Matt, as far as uh, having had your doubts on Melo's fit. Uh, I was, Again, shout out to Tara. I was hey! talking with her about this last week since it was the topic <laughs> at the time. Uh, I was, uh, and even on a previous episode of the Trailcasters in past seasons with Brandon, I have not... Been uh, the biggest supporter of Melo. He, like uh, much like Ennis Cantor, he's a player that from afar, when you're seeing him on other teams, the reputation, the, the perception of him was not the best. And, you know, I understand that, you know, the production was there. And Ty, you've mentioned before that uh, you are a fan of Melo, And I, I understand the production, what he can put up in respecting that. But I think the issue that I had was more of kind of the character stuff and what you, what, what you perceive that he was doing to some of these teams like Denver and New York uh, coming through there. But what Tara pointed out, she interviewed uh, on, Bla- on a Blaze's Edge pod a while ago, she interviewed fans from each of the teams that he had played for, and none of them had a bad thing to say about him. So much like Ennis Cantor, the same way when he came to Portland, completely turned me around on my perception of who he was uh, as a person off the court. Melo has been doing a lot of the same. Uh, he seems to be a much better role model and better uh, kind of uh, off-court person than I, than I really thought he would have been. Uh, and at least to the other players around him, he seems to be someone that they really look up to. So when you add that with 20-plus points a game, give it, what, seven or so rebounds or so on average, I think is what he's at, and three or so assists. The uh, Maybe three or so assists is not the average he's got. But he's been putting out more—he's uh, been passing the ball more than I expected, uh, again, from the reputation that precedes him of being a uh, black hole. So, you know, I'm not— Well, I'm not I saw—I
1: how- uh, think it was on CJ McCollum's podcast, he was talking about against the Cavs, mellow had a ball i think he had a mismatch and he looked like he was about to go one-on-one and then cj yelled mellow and then he threw it back to cj and then cj said he had a mismatch with the big but instead he threw it to scally bc who was like two feet away from the basket so ball movement and stuff like that mellow's already doing and like maybe five years ago six years ago he would have taken that shot and also cj to his credit said well like two years ago uh, so, I would have taken that shot. But now, like, I became a better player and threw it to Scout, who was closer for the better shot. So, I think Melo's already doing that stuff. Like, he's not completely a black hole. Like, yeah, like, he's getting going, like, when he thinks he needs to score, or maybe he's tired of not, like, scoring. Like, he sometimes passes it four or five times. And now he's like, all right, now I'm going to shoot it. Like, yeah, I think he gets that in his mind. But he's making the smart reads. Like, he's not really hogging it.
0: Yeah, 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 I don't think he is either. And it's even like you said, the idea that CJ and other players can see maybe Melo's growth, that they can see him, oh, look at this guy who's learned to, to pass the ball because that's what the team needs. If that helps them all grow in the same way, that's gold. Like, that's that's the value you want right there, if nothing else. And obviously, he's giving us more than that. Okay, well, uh, that's a good little dose of some optimism right there. Let's get, in, let's get into the uh, game review from the, this last <laughs> week. Now, it's not all bad, and I'm going to say right off the top, uh ty unless you have any details or matt unless either of you guys have anything you really took from the game in la against the clippers i'm just gonna throw that one out because uh it's a road game and this is the month of december after going through all the road games in november like the first 13 of our 18 were on the road right and the 10 of the next 14 here in december are at home i just want to focus on the home games and how we do here so i'm real uh excuse me i'm willing to just throw that game out you guys go with it (laughs) moving on
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely wasn't a good game. Uh, I thought they looked not terrible. They looked okay during spurts of that game, which I think you can take some positives from against arguably the team that people think are going to win the finals. And
0: that's a fair point. Yeah. But also,
1: so I think they looked okay. Obviously, that I think the scoreboard at the end of the game really didn't show that. But yeah, we could throw it out. But there's some positives to taking. Be like, all right, we we hung with them for a little bit before they really flex their muscles.
2: You're not wrong. I agree with Ty. I think. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the final score doesn't really, the final score shows really what was happening in the second half. The first half, I think the Blazers sort of hung with them a little bit and showed glimpses of what they might become, which is one of the most tantalizing slash frustrating things about this season. Is you see, every now and then uh, a little stretch of play in which the pieces of all sort of come together for the Blazers. And I think in that game, there there were stretches where it was like that. But uh, um, over time, you know, the talent wins out in the NBA and the Blazers just don't have enough of it at the moment. And, um, that's how I feel about that Clippers game. So um, another frustrating loss, but uh, probably to be expected.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, and again, it's, uh, it's getting through the regular season at this point, we're going to face those tough teams and it's a frustrating loss, but we have the, the big thing again, like these home games, like I'm talking about the big thing right now, I think is winning the games we're supposed to win. And you know, it, it is good to see competitive uh, competitive play in those games against the Clippers, but winning the games we're supposed to win. That would be games like the next one here at home against Sacramento. Uh, This was CJ's 10th straight game of 20-plus, tying his personal record. I think I also saw that it was 10 straight games of two or more three-pointers, which was a personal record for him. Uh, So there was some other uh, milestone yet too. But point being, CJ is turning it on after kind of a slow start. He's finally kind of coming around, I feel like. And, again, this could be a bright spot for us down the line. And if he is a tie, like you pointed out, if he's learning from Melo here, if we can at least rely on maybe... Dame C.G. and Mello as a core three to carry forward. That's not all bad.
2: No. And, you know, I, uh, you may have been uh, referencing the fact that he had four blocks. Um, right. Thank you. I kids. knew there was another one. Thank you. Yeah, ah. I think that was uh, career high. I think he doubled his career high. I think um, I think previously it was two. But uh, he was very active. And I, I, I even mentioned it on Twitter. I said, this is the best I've ever seen him play defense. He was just all over the place. So maybe he's taking some uh, pointers from Whiteside on how to get block shots. Right. <laughs> That uh, game
1: was, uh, I mean, that was a game we should have won, and it's a game you won, but it's also a game when you look at it, you go, whew, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we needed to win that game. You really can't lose that game, which they almost did. Which was they like, almost did. That was uh, a little bit <laughs> stressful. It was not as easy as it should have been. Something about the Kings, they really have the Blazers number this year. They don't even have any of their top players, right. and they they hang with us every game. Like They didn't have Bagley. They didn't have Bogdanovich. They didn't have Fox. And yeah, they, just, they did whatever they wanted. Rashawn Holmes, where he put twenty eight and ten on eleven and thirteen shooting, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I- Rashawn Holmes made made Whiteside look rough on on that end of the floor. I I will say though, Whiteside in that game had seven assists on the other end as well. Yep. so he was he was helping. He was putting it together, but it did kind of uh reveal maybe one of these things that has been it's a known problem for Whiteside, his foot speed, his kind of uh effort maybe on on that end sometimes where he has to. When he has to apply more than just his size, he's maybe not as reliable. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah,
2: I think it's a good way. Yeah, I think he's probably. good. Uh, it's amazing that a guy has coasted this uh, this many years in the NBA, but it certainly feels that way with Whiteside. Especially, you know, some of the shots he puts up. Uh, you know, you wonder. It looks like he's really never shot a, a, <laughs> a ball before. He he sort of looks like the kid, the seventh grade kid that's already six foot four. That uh, is only playing ball because he's tall and doesn't really know the fundamentals yet, and it's really strange to watch. Um, I, you know, I come from Miami and he played for the Heat for a long time, but I, I didn't never really got to see him there. Um, and seeing it for uh, now, it's really uh, uh, striking to, to to watch.
0: Yeah, it, it's. I, I'm. I'm not. I didn't mean to uh, say either that I'm totally down on what I said, but I, I do think this is. Uh, it's a problem that he has is that he is a player where. His gifts. I think uh, Varun Bose was on our show a couple weeks back uh, and pointed this out as well. Shout out to him. Hey, uh, that he's a player where his his skill set lies very much in his physicality and in his uh, or is not his physicality but his physique, uh, his being big, his being long. He does have athleticism, but it does almost seem like his drive to focus on the fundamentals hasn't been there. Probably because he's had so much of these natural gifts. He's not the first player to that you could say that about either, though. Uh, I. I mean, I think we've even even had other Blazers in the past that have had uh, that, that you could have that same critique about. But it's the the difference here too, though, uh, from him and other Blazers would be that Whiteside is so big, he has so much size that yeah, he has been able to kind of get by on that. And I don't know if I want to say that he's putting up the numbers he is purely because he's bigger. He's not that much bigger than other bigs out there. He does have some sort of uh, touch and ability. And like I said, this game against Sacramento, we saw him put up his career high of, uh, seven assists but maybe maybe he's just a little late on the learning curve as far as realizing that he has to kind of add more to his skill set
1: yeah uh, he's probably late to learning curve or he like he just doesn't need to I mean like even that like he's coasted this far along he's still putting up 18 14 two blocks i mean he's just still putting up numbers so i mean for a guy like he can probably look at the box score and go look at me i'm dominant i mean he's probably that which i don't blame him if he's putting up those numbers and then like when he wants to like go for putbacks and stuff he gets it like there's not many people who could stop him so yeah like when he really wants to do it he can uh he is a good free throw shooter i'll give him that uh he's shooting about 70 percent. so it's nice when he is getting fouled he's not just like hack a white side basically he's hitting some free throws he's got a okay touch around the rim he's getting there that little bit of a floater um it would be nice to see him be a little bit more aggressive that always seems to be a problem with blazer bigs or anybody just take it to the hole but uh yeah, he um, I don't know if he's ever gonna be better than what he is. I think he's probably just what he is, and it's not terrible, but I don't know if you're ever gonna see in like two years like the white side who's engaged, who's putting up post moves and doing shimmy shakes and stuff.
0: Okay, I wanna challenge you guys on this then real quick. Let me jump in here. Um, I, I do get that he you know, he he has he leaves a lot to be desired. He is, I think, late on the curve, like we're saying. But as far as if we can see more from him, we are talking about his career high, uh, seven assists in that game. I saw, I think the NBA actually tweeted out at some point this last week that he's had his his 14.8 points per game is the highest since 2017. 12.4 rebounds is the highest since 2017. The 2.2 blocks is the highest since 2016. Uh, his field goal and free throw, per, or sorry, his field goal, field goal percentage is also highest since 2016. His uh, free throw, I think, is career high. I mean, on one hand, yeah, it's a contract year where he's finally having to prove the stuff. But it's not that he's just putting up good numbers. It could be the same way that we're saying CJ and other players here are learning from just having Melo around. Could he finally be in a system where maybe we see him add a little bit, add a little bit more uh, depth or dimension to his game? Or am I just crazy? Is that a possibility or no?
2: I think it's certainly possible. And and as you referenced there, he's as I'm looking at his stats right now, he's this season exceeded his career averages in points, rebounds, assists, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, you know? So just by these numbers, and Ty alluded to it, you know, he he can point to these numbers and say, what what more do you want from me? But he's an interesting figure because I I agree, I don't think in a couple years suddenly it's going to all click for him. I think this is probably as good as it's going to get. But in a system in which you have Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, uh, Carmelo Anthony now, um, who are often uh, sort of assistant coaches on the floor, Um, it might... Uh, be the kind of situation in which Whiteside can really, really flourish and, uh, you know, jumping on the optimism train again, as we talked about <laughs> earlier, um, you know, things can turn around for this team. Um, the Rodney hood is, uh, injury is a big, it's a big hump to get over, but, um, Hassan Whiteside, Carmelo Anthony, CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, that's a pretty tight for four guys right there. So, um, Whiteside could definitely come into his own a little bit if he continues to, to put up numbers like this. And as you said, he had seven assists the other day. Um, he's told Jason Quick that he's going to get a triple-double with assists one day. Right. Uh, maybe right. we'll see that. He almost had a triple-double the other night where he had 10 blocks. I think he broke the Blazers' yeah. record for blocks.
0: <laughs> How does he uh, get was, 10 blocks and not have a triple-double, right? Like you put yeah, he, well, he, there, he <laughs> couldn't like make a shot. As,
2: yeah. yeah. He couldn't make a shot that day, It's a problem. But, um, he definitely can put up some numbers.
0: Okay, uh, you did mention... Uh, I mean, I'm all for
1: Whiteside. I'm all for... I'm, I'm all for I, I hope he can figure it out and help us, but okay. I don't know. I don't know yeah, how much more you're going to
0: get from him. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, he, he's, he's still a question mark. Uh, I think that's a... He, he could be an X factor as far as what happens with us the rest of the season. Maybe we can discuss that in the future. Uh, but like you said, Matt, between Dame, CG and Mello being here, and if they can still put up production, if you have Whiteside commit, that could be a core. But Ty... Fair point that we just don't know. <laughs> he's, right. he's so hot or cold, it's hard to really tell. Uh, well, that's the interesting some...
2: thing about... Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's the interesting thing about Whiteside is is all of us are sort of here just shrugging our shoulders. Like, I'm looking at these numbers, and they seem great, but uh, there's that sort of disconnect between his numbers and what you actually see on the court. It's very, very strange.
0: Yeah, uh, I okay. I think, uh, I think at that point with Whiteside, we're just going to have to wait and see. We'll come back to this one, but I do want to get to something else you mentioned. Uh, that would be the next game. The, the game last night against L.A. Okay, guys, here we go. Here's the storm. We can make it through this. We can push through, hold together. But uh, first things first, this was a physical game, not just the hood thing. We saw Kyle Kuzma gave scowl stitches at one point. Uh, I think this could have been reviewed for a flagrant, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't even a foul call. Uh, Bazemore was bleeding. Uh, I don't think that was a foul either. What, do you remember what that one was? I don't remember what the detail was. Somewhere on his face, right? Bazemore forehead or something. I don't remember what it was. Whatever, uh, Dwight, <laughs> Dwight, like uh, Dwight Howard, leveled Dame in the fourth quarter at one point. Uh, the whistles—I'm not saying it was all bias against the Blazers, but it was inconsistent. We'd see some real ticky-tack, minor stuff being called, and then some of these giant, like just stuff that could have been reviewed for for something more serious, isn't even getting a whistle at all. Uh, so, the officiating is we'll come back to later. Uh, but I don't know. It, it, what do you guys think on this? Is, well, coach is Stotts he,
2: uh... got, uh, coach Stotts got ejected <laughs> yeah, think, for the right. first time ever. Right. And he's an even keeled guy. You see him blow up from time to time, but he was livid. And I think for the first time yesterday, you saw frustration on Damian Lillard's uh, mug. You know, there, there was one point where it might've been the, the Dwight Howard play that you referenced yeah. where he fell to the ground and sort of pounded his fist onto the to court yeah. and just sort of sat there stewing in that anger for a second. And, Uh, It was really frustrating to watch. And I agree with you. You know, you you never want to be the kind of person that's like, oh, man, the refs are – it was lopsided. But it sure felt that way. It sure felt like the the Blazers were getting the the, the short end of the stick, um, getting beat up uh, across the board last night. And there wasn't a whole lot of balance the other way, it seemed like.
1: I think it was Casey Holdall said on Twitter, it was about Anthony Davis. It was like you can't even – Stand near Anthony Davis without it being a whistle call and that's how it was all right. night. Every time he got the ball and the Blazers touched him it was whistle, whistle, whistle. Or
2: if or if they didn't touch him, it didn't yeah. like Bazemore touched him on the play that Stotts yeah. got ejected. It was just, you know, phantom yeah. foul and it just I guess it looked rougher than it was, but that that was really irritating. Yeah, he
1: lost the ball before Basemore was even there. Yeah, it was just it was rough. And I was telling, yeah, like Um, I mean, like, for Terry Stotts to blow up like that and then for him to know that he's going to get ejected for the first time in his career, basically, like, he knew, like, going at the ref like that, he'd probably get thrown out. For him to do that, I mean, like, someone in the league office needs to know who Terry Stotts is and go, all right, if Terry's doing this, guys, we need to go look what happened here because this guy has been around the league for a while. He's probably well-respected with officials and other people. Like, there's probably people like, all right, if Terry Stotts is blowing up about this, we need to maybe check it out. (laughs) Right. And I'm glad he did it too because I think that's a player's coach and he's defending his players. And it's nice to see him. Like, people always want to maybe go at Terry because he's too even, killed, uh, But, like, there he is fighting for his players. He's fighting for Bazemore. He's fighting for all the other dumb calls throughout the game. So, he, I mean, like he was willing to get that first ejection. To, I mean, for somebody like Bazemore who's been on the team for less than a year now. So, I just, I, just, I like to see that from Terry Stotts.
0: No, that's, that's a good point. I do like that. I like that he was doing it for, it wasn't just a foul on Dame or something that he was getting lit up for. This was for, uh, a ridiculous call uh, on Basemore. But, yeah, the I hope that someone out there sees, like you said, Ty, I hope that someone sees uh, this and says, whoa, I know who Stotts is. He's one of the most level-headed coaches around. We need to look into what this was. But I got to say I have my doubts because as far as people knowing who Stotts is or as far as respect going around, the ESPN crew, I don't know which broadcast you guys were watching, but I, I have checked out both. The ESPN crew didn't even notice that Stotts was ejected for probably about nope. five minutes after this happened. They, they they saw him get teed up, and they showed the replay of him getting teed up, and even in the replay, you can see the ref tee him up, and then the second motion where he kind of throws him, you know? Yeah. And the ESPN crew had no idea. Like, five minutes later, they mentioned I'm usually
1: all for, like, crews. Like, I'm not usually one to bash TV announcers. Like, I know that's the thing people really like to do. I usually can ignore it and just move on. But, like, last night, they were... They were pretty bad.
0: And she also, bad, Doris
1: Burke, man. like, she's usually pretty good. Like, I usually really yes, like listening to Doris Burke. You. She was, like, seemed like she was kind of airy last night. Like, she had nothing on the Blazers. She only studied the Lakers. And usually she's pretty even killed. But, like, yeah, last night it seemed bad. And I was really laughing when they showed that play with Davis when he went into the stands. And he ran into Jody Allen and Thank Chris you. McCown, and they're like, "These fans are getting their money's worth tonight." It's like that is the owner. That's the owner <laughs> and
0: the GM,
1: dude. Yeah, f- Basically, <laughs> And you don't. And you don't know. And also, like, you didn't have anybody go back and like rebuke that. Go, hey guys, we showed Jody no one Allen. No, we went back at it. Like, oh my gosh.
0: And and like you said, this is Doris Burke. This isn't just some random talking heads. Uh, I'm shocked or, she didn't know it, dude. Uh, th- she she has done. She's been around the league long enough. She knows who Stotts is. She knows who Chris McGowan is. And she I'm, I'm damn well sure she knows who Jody she, Allen yeah, is, man. exactly. Uh, she may be a new owner, but that's ridiculous. That was absolutely absurd. And I, I'm i sorry. I got my sensors ready here, so don't worry. But they got to show some fucking respect to the Blazers. That was some garbage, man. Bullshit. <laughs> Oh, that pissed me off. It really did. Watching that game, I could, honestly, at that point, I switched back uh, over to the Blazers' broadcast, and obviously they had noticed Stotts getting thrown out, so whatever. <laughs> okay, enough on that part. Let's talk about the real bad news for the night. Not just the disrespect, but uh, uh, hood, the, the the injury itself. Um, we discussed earlier, this was a physical game, uh, about the foul calls and the lack of foul calls in the officiating this wasn't anything like that. This was not a foul that should have been called. This and that was what was so depressing about it. As, as soon as it happened, you could see it. You knew what was going on. You saw him, you saw Rodney Hood come down and push like just near near parallel to the court, like trying to push forward in a sprint, and he fell, instantly grabbing his leg and you knew exactly what it was. I even tried to I'm talking to my wife here as we're watching the game And I was trying to convince myself "Oh no, no, he got tripped up He like twisted his ankle, rolled the ankle or something No, that lasted like 10 seconds with that thought And I was like, no, you can tell um, I saw a tweet from Kerry Eggers uh, the, the real issue here in my you know, Before we get too bogged down in the injury Because I think we all have We don't want to mire in the depression here But just to go over the details, the important facts of it Kerry Eggers tweets out that Ronnie Hood had complained of soreness in his Achilles during Wednesday's uh, Kings game and left in the fourth quarter. Stotts, asked, uh, Stotts when asked why the Blazers risked, risked playing him versus the Lakers, said, I don't know that he injured it last game. I know it was bothering him, but he cleared all the protocols. How are we feeling about that? I mean, is this is this the kind of thing where...
1: I'm all team yeah. Stotts. I'm all. Used, I'm all for that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm um, not blaming Stotts. Uh, I honestly think if there was any inclination that he had a sore Achilles uh, after the amount of games he have been playing these last couple of days, going against a team that you know you're probably going to lose to against the Lakers, who are just on fire on the road. They just came. They just beat the Nuggets and the Jazz back to back games on the road. You know they're they're killing it. Sit, Rodney Hood. Let him make sure that thing's all right. See what you have in Kent Bazemore starting because uh, that's always been a question for fans and people like what do you get from camp more start him see what you get there get anthony simons a little bit more not really throw the game but load manage your players a little bit if he's yeah. worrying about an achilles yes he passed all the protocol but i mean yeah like i i guess he's an nba player and if he's healthy like you have to play him he can't just sit and he's not a star but yeah that's a that's frustrating um for that to come out. I mean, that just doesn't look very good. I mean, it is what it is. It's a fluke thing. Uh, he could have played and been fine. And I mean, like, I know like, th- like players can get
2: hurt like at any moment, anytime, but yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I agree. Um, like a lot of, uh, as Keith mentioned, like a lot of Achilles injuries, it, it sort of happens the same way. Nobody's around him. He sort of lands in a certain way. He extends his, uh, uh, you know, his leg a certain way and he just crumples to the ground and someone went over to try to help him up and he sort of pushed him away. And that was when I knew yep. uh, just from watching on television that something uh, bad had gotten had, had happened. <clears throat> but, yeah. you know, sitting him, you know, I, I totally I totally understand uh, this argument. And I know I know Rip City Twitter is was all a flutter last night asking why he was playing. I get I totally get that. But with these sorts of injuries, who's to say you sit him for the Lakers and he doesn't get hurt? the next game or mm-hmm. the game after that or the game after that. Yeah. I mean, who do you start in this place? Baysmore, who hasn't been shooting very well and, you know, now we're stuck with that anyway but um, it's <laughs> I think it's sort of easy to do some sort of hindsight Monday morning quarterbacking type of stuff when things like this happen and I totally understand it, but I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if you could avoid this sort of injury if it's the, the Achilles you... is one of those things, it's just, it's gonna happen kind of, it feels like Might... it's just gonna happen, you know.
0: Let me make some comparisons real quick and I, you're not wrong that it's it's a hard one to avoid, uh, but We saw Kevin Durant last year uh, a lot of the same kind of questions when his injury happened where it's like well he had been complaining about this and There was you know issues at the time uh, questions of whether the team or even media around the local media had pressured him into playing uh, And I'm not saying that is happening up here in Portland. I'm not saying there was even pressure from the team to play but uh, we did have a response. I think Ty. I think you uh, tweeted from the Trailcasters account uh, when Jason Quick tweeted about this whole thing with Rodney Hood. Uh, you had tweeted out about like why was he playing then, and we actually got a response from uh, Christian Gamelin. Shout out to him from the Peeps and Cloud podcast. Hey, he wrote in with an interesting tweet. I uh, thought just a. Uh, which is a, 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 good, a good idea, so I'm waiting for this to pull up. He said, I wonder if there should be some sort of protocol similar to the concussion protocol in the NFL. If players have legitimate Achilles concern, they're required to have at least one week rest or something. Because I'm sure he, Rodney Hood, and the trainers thought he was fine going into the game. And so I, I think, you know, in regards to what you said earlier, Ty, too, that if, you, if he was sore and this was a game that was going to be tough, maybe they sit him out anyway. Yeah, that could have been a fair thought, but These guys are competitive. And if Rodney Hood thought he was fine, and if he's cleared these trainers' protocols, they say he's fine. Stotts certainly isn't to blame at that point because he's just following the word of his players and of the staff. So maybe this is the thing. Maybe we need a a protocol similar to a concussion protocol where if you... uh, if you have certain levels of soreness or if the, the medical staff checks you out and you have certain stiffness or, or difficulty in a certain range of motion, you need to sit a game or a, uh, two games. Obviously, the problem is where do you draw the line? Like yeah, because I think we're going to have, I mean,
1: I think there's plenty of players who will play through like a shoulder injury that's bad right. or an ankle yeah. injury that's bad. And then, and then all of a sudden the team's like, nope, we have this protocol. He's like, okay, I have a sprained ankle, but I've been playing on a sprained ankle since I was 15 in high school. Like, I know how to play right. on a sprained ankle. Like. So stuff like that, yeah, it's hard to draw the line. And the same thing with Rodney Hood, like I feel like if he was worried about his Achilles, like if he had woke up and goes, Yeah, you know what? Like I woke up and it was really kinda tender when I woke up, he would have been like, you know, team, but he felt fine to go out there. He looked good. Like at no point during the game did I think he had like an Achilles injury. So yeah. It's not like he was limping around out there, like, oh get Hood out. It just Like Matt said, it probably going to happen the next game. And then who knows? Like, same thing, like, with Yusuf Nurkic. He just came down wrong and broke his leg. Like, there's nothing you could do about it. It Just as a freak, fluke thing, and injuries happen. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just frustrating at the time. And, like, you're just like, dang it. Like, it's more just frustrating that it happened. But, yeah, like, there's literally nobody to blame. I think it's just part of the game. I think in any sport you play, like, you risk injuries. And I don't know if some people may be more injury-prone than others, but I think regardless, people... Every time you step on the field, court, whatever, there's injuries.
2: Right, and I I think that's a good point to wonder what, uh, and I'm sure we'll see this over the next couple of days as this is reported out. What uh, Rodney Hood felt about himself and his, uh, I'm sure he wanted to play as well. So, um, uh, you know, the 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 point of some stats. Uh, This is a guy that was shooting almost 50 percent from three. Um, as I'm looking at it, uh, I'm actually a little surprised he was only averaging 11 points a game. It seemed like more. His impact seemed like more than that. But
0: Well, uh, let, me, let l- me bring this up, too. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but just on that point, I was talking with Tara last week. Uh, we discussed how Carmelo is averaging about 16 shots a game. Hood is only averaging like 8-point-something, eight 8.6 shots a game. To, and to be shooting as well as he is, you'd think he would have been getting more shots. But, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I apologize for your status interruption there, but just felt it tied no, in. No, that's that's
2: uh, fine, and you're absolutely correct. And those two things are obviously connected. The fact that he can, he's, he, he's lights out from three this season, yet he only manages to score 11 points a game. He, he definitely needed more touches than he's been getting. But I think that's uh, sort of par for the course for this Blazers season, is all these new pieces trying to figure out where they fit in and how they fit in and um, how long you play them and when you, when you spot check people and that sort of stuff. Um, I think it, it it was one of those things that maybe sort of e- would have sort of leveled out as the season went on, but unfortunately we won't be able to find that out.
1: I feel terrible for Rodney Hood though too. I mean, he was having a career yeah. year. He was set to make himself some money this off season he took less money to come back for the Blazers. Like, now like, you feel for him, like, what could he have gotten this offseason now for his future money? Like, he might not get the big contract again. All that stuff goes for him now, all because he wanted to take less money to come back for this team. It's like, yeah. I'm all for players doing that now, but now I'm like, man, like, do I really want players to take money to come back for my team? Like, I'm all about the players. I want them to be fine later on. Like, they're only playing in short years, but... I feel bad for him now. Cause now he has to deal with all this after he finally was getting on back track. Like he was kind of down in the dumpster in the NBA for a while. Like he was kind of like almost a laughing stock for some reason. Like when he went to the Cavs, he was stuff like that. So yeah. came back, finally was back in it. Probably goes set to make himself at least 10, 12 million dollars a year next summer. I, I mean, at least. And now who knows? I feel bad for him, but he is luckily now it is 2019. And, I have seen players in football and basketball come back from these Achilles injuries faster than usual. Sure. So he, sure. there is more technology now for this stuff. There is more treatment, so it's better now than it was when Messi Matthews did it because there probably isn't right. as much stuff. So
0: no, that's a fair point. Uh, we can hope that he comes back sooner than is the general ex- uh, expectation from these kind of injuries. It has been serious in the past. It is a definitely serious injury, but it doesn't have to be one that is a. Uh, gonna say maybe keep him out of the start of the next season so we'll, we'll see how that goes fingers crossed for hood for sure and as far as even what we were saying earlier i don't think it was about who to blame in, in the situation but even what christian was bringing up uh with his tweet i think the idea is almost more of like now that we are in this new age of medical understanding and and all these kind of new uh procedures at a certain point like load management as well that's another example of this we are seeing that you are going to have to be more careful with these players. You're going to have to maybe take more uh, safeties. You're, you're going to have to uh, maybe play it a little safer and take less risks as far as their health because we're just figuring out that when these injuries happen, it's often because of the you know the NBA schedule, and luckily they're trying to reduce that as well, which we haven't really talked about. We can get to later. Something else that we are trying to, I think, rein in a little more in the NBA and kind of uh, in this modern age is uh, the officiating, uh, like we mentioned earlier. <coughs> It's been inconsistent, and one thing they've been doing this season for it has been the coaches' challenge. Let me ask first before I get into the actual topic, Matt, where do you stand on the coaches' challenge as far as it being a positive or negative so far in the NBA? Do you think uh, – I know some fans have been really against this. Some fans are more worried about the time it takes. It is not. It certainly is not going quickly. Uh, but myself, I'm more concerned with the accurate officiating. Where do you fall in kind of that spectrum in and entire same way?
2: Well, I, I agree that the most important thing is to get the call right and being uh, in Portland and watching mostly the Blazers games, I haven't seen how other coaches are utilizing this new tool. Terry Stotts seems to keep it in his back pocket uh, most of the time. Um, This is just, I'm I'm just eyeballing it. I don't know the the actual stats of this thing, but it seems like he holds on to it until the end of the game a lot of times. And I think it's a good tool for coaches to have, uh, to sort of keep it in your back pocket for when you really need it. And it hasn't bothered me too much. when they first talked about implementing that rule, I thought, well, it's going to slow the game down. But um, yeah, I, I think the important thing is to, to get the call right and to have. Um, I think it adds an, an interesting wrinkle to the game, especially at the end of a game. If, if there's a call that goes against you, um, you know, in years past, you would have just had to sort of swallow that. But now you have a, a recourse to get to, to get the call right.
0: But yeah, so I, I wanna get to some stats as far as how it's worked so far this season. But Ty, do you have anything to, to add in as far as your uh, your perception or your, um, where you're at on the spectrum? I think
1: coaches should hold on to it the fourth quarter since they only get one. I would like to see ah. if they do change the rule at all. I, I, I would like to see like the winner get uh like re challenge, like you get one more challenge, like if you win the challenge, so that way yeah. like it's not like if you can use it in the first half and you win it, like you can still have it in the fourth quarter. I would like to see that, but
2: Yeah. Yeah, that okay. would be yeah, that would actually be an that would be an interesting wrinkle. I think to 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 be so if you if you win the challenge, you get you get another one. If you lose it, you don't get another one. But maybe cap it at two. Is
0: that yeah, you,
1: yeah, just cap it at two. Like you don't keep getting it. Like you only get it max two if
0: you win it. I, I actually I like that idea. And let me let's get back to the future of it in a second. But just to give some background, uh, Brian Windhorst and Tim BonTEMPS uh, I saw on the jump the other day on ESPN. They said they uh, talked to 15 coaches and they wrote up an article for ESPN.com. A lot of the coaches have been confused by the rules overall, exactly like how the challenge works, when what situations you can and can't use it. Uh, And uh, Wendy's big point to the whole thing is, despite the confusion, it has been effective and it's not going to be going away. uh, We've discussed this with previous guests on the show before, too, that thought maybe there's a thing. I think uh, Ryan Whitty, shout out to him, maybe Chris Burkhart, were thinking that this might be something that after this season, uh, since it is taking too long, it's not been a very smooth process so far, that it could be something that disappears from the NBA. It sounds like that is probably not going to be the case. There will be adjustments as far as the application, according to Brian Windhorst, and I think Ty and Matt, what you guys were talking about, uh, as far as the winner getting to keep uh, the challenge and use it again, these are some of the adjustments they are discussing. Uh, so, you know, we'll we'll see it adjusted and probably implemented uh, much smoother in the future as well, take less time overall on the court. But Let me give you some background as far as the statistics for the season on it. There have been 197 challenges so far in the NBA this season through the first 20 or 22 games that we're at. 75 calls of those 197, 75 is 38%, have confirmed the official's original call. Uh, So 38% just under 40. Only 36 calls, and that's 18%, said that the call stands, like there wasn't enough evidence to say confirmed or uh, overturned. But that leaves 86 calls or 44% of the of the officials' calls that were challenged were overturned. So this means nearly half of the calls that coaches are challenging in, in the NBA, the refs are having to admit, yeah, we got that one wrong. We'll go back and put it the other way. So it's I th- just that number alone, 44%. I feel like that's fairly conclusive. That this needs to be a thing. Like this should not go anywhere. And if anything, Give the coaches more challenges and make it a quicker process. Get a, you know, kind of a sky judge thing or some sort of extra ref on the court so you can uh, expedite the whole thing and not have it take up as much time. Or, you know, go to commercial break. Sponsors will be happy to have a little more time spread out the commercials. They'll be fine with that in the long run and fans will have to live with it. But... I don't think this is going away. I don't think this is something that you can ignore at this point. And, yeah, I think at this point, let's get back to the changes that you guys think should be implemented. I don't know if even, like you suggested, giving one more call and getting it. Or sorry, not even giving one more. You suggested that if they get the call right, they get the call back to using the game again. I think that you could give coaches at least two, uh, two challenges a game. That they don't have to worry about where they get it right and still reward them if they're you know, getting it correct. But if we're seeing almost half the calls that are being challenged are getting overturned, you got to imagine there are more calls out there that could be challenged. And there are probably, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Well, I, even I, last I night,
1: last night with Terry Stotts, he used his challenge in the first half. He got it yeah. right or wrong. And then that play he gets ejected on, he could have easily challenged that and he would have right? won. But he didn't have yeah. the ability to challenge it. And they didn't even go look at it. I think something like that. I'm team sky judge for every sport. I think there should be a ref who is monitoring everything, goes, hey, nope, that's a foul right there. Like who can't maybe stop action or 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 maybe he can't stop action, like mid thing. But right there, go, no, that is clearly not a foul and can't be more Like reverse that now. Like instead of like, oh nope, we don't have the stuff to look at it. Like it's not two yeah. minutes. It's not this. He didn't score, so we can't look at it. like stuff all that stupid stuff. I think there should be someone who is just looking at it and goes nope that's not a thing I, I, I want that for every sport for football like nope that's not a holding call we look back that's not a pass interference i want that for everything but maybe i'm too greedy but maybe that's too hard <laughs> to do but I that's the modern that age man it's... and make it quick and expedite like not like a whole thing like there's just people in booths who are all looking go yep i agree i agree yep okay stop red light no
0: move on uh, yeah right move like- on. I, I I do. I, I feel like it's this is the age of sports we live in. When you have this many cameras on every field and then when you have players or not players, when you have uh, fans watching the game in so many ways, you can find so many extra like you can log on to ESPN and find extra cameras on there that aren't even just on the broadcast. You can get all the mics that they do, you can you can get into the into the huddle often. They're giving us access to a level that you can't expect fans to just be like, Oh, well, am wh- I'm 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 sure it's totally fine that you know whatever they saw they saw something they got it right like if if we can see on camera that they are getting these calls wrong it seems absurd that we're not able to correct it it's gonna happen right what about the houston
1: rockets they dunk the ball <laughs> went through scored yes, two points you. comes back out and then they're like nope we that's not a basket also we have no way to look <laughs> at it it's like everybody in the world looks at it and knows that's a basket you can look at the big them look and go, so oh, foolish. oh wait yeah we're wrong but they can't yeah. do that what yeah because yeah, totally so
0: totally yeah sorry bizarre. go ahead go ahead Sorry, Matt, I wasn't trying to cut you off. Good. Jump in there. I'm, I feel like I've been ranting the whole time.
2: No, it's fine. Uh, Ty's right. That was totally bad <laughs> crazy that, that that, and I don't even, you know, it, it's James Harden, right? So you, you, you kind of, you never give him the benefit of the doubt, but this time even people that don't like James Harden were like, oh dude, you got to give him that shot. But, no, it's, you know, <laughs> I, I think Keith made a good point and, um, you know, as these, as these guys were talking about, um, uh, this it's not going away, it's going to stay, and this opens up some advertising real estate, which I'm sure plenty of advertisers would be happy to jump in. I know when you watch other sports, whether they bring a guy in from the bullpen or whether there's a timeout in football, sometimes they don't actually go to quote unquote commercial break, they just sort yeah. of do a split screen sort of yeah. thing. You could do yeah. that in the NBA, have the, the split, split screen, yeah, with the, the you know, have the on the bottom, you know, sort of minimize the 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 referees uh, looking at the screen and with the headphones on, and then you have the advertising happening. So there's certainly ways to monetize this, which is always an incentive for advertisers. And the important thing, again, is to get the call right. And as Keith Keith mentioned, 44% are overturned. Um, That, to me, is a sign that things uh, are going well so far as far as getting the the calls right, and um, there's room for improvement with technology.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's. I don't think it's something that, that you can uh, put back in the box. That's what we were calling it before. I think we came up on a previous episode. Is if this is Pandora's box? Like this has been open now. You're not sure. putting this away. Nope. Uh, yeah. And it's it's just a matter of it's a matter of progress. It's
2: going to get sure. there eventually. Do you do uh, you guys do you guys think that maybe the reason Stats got tossed for the first time ever is because he was mad at himself for having used the challenge already?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it just all boiled up. He was mad about that. He's like, and then I can't challenge this either. Screw
0: it. yeah, this just all came to a head for him. This way, he gets he he makes a bookmark of that moment in the game for all the media out there. Everyone is going to look at that moment, and everyone will be discussing this just like we are here. And look, even more so than that call, though, let's talk about that that Harden dunk. For anyone that has not seen this absolutely absurd uh, missed call, Harden dunks the ball, and it's just some freak uh, trick of physics where the net, the the friction on the net manages to grab the ball and literally loop it 180 degrees after going through the hoop back on top of the hoop and then it misses it doesn't go in it happens so fast in real time that yeah if you're an old ref dude like running down the court and you are far from this or you're looking at players feet not looking at maybe his dunk because you see it as an obvious dunk if you then look up after the first fraction of a second and you see it back on top of the rim and fall off then yeah, in the moment, you're not gonna know what to do. You're not gonna call that a dunk, no matter how much he comes over to you. But if you are allowed to look at any camera out there, it would be so easy to see. And that's I think the real problem is right now, it's such an old fashioned process that the refs go through where like even for a challenge at this point, my understanding is the refs have to essentially confer on the court together and say, I saw this, you saw this. You, okay, now that we all know all of our opinions, let's go over and review the video. Then they have to review multiple angles. They're all crowded around a small screen. The number of things you could do, giving them individual screens, giving them some Google Glass things so they can like see it on replay without even having to go to a side camera. But, or like we said, the ultimate goal would be to have an extra ref off the court, someone up above, just reviewing a video. They do it in hockey. They've done it before in football. It would be easy to do and it's it's going to happen at some point so shout out to Adam Silver who I know is listening to this pod every week uh, it's just it's time to bring it out man it's time to bring another ref into the game and make this uh, make this easier
2: I have a vision of the future in which NBA referees uh, have jacks in the back of their skulls and they plug them into the <laughs> matrix where there's a a challenge to a call. Oh, man. And they can see, you know, you give the players the Google glasses and the referees can see the, the play from yes. the, the players' vantage
0: point. Oh, there. beautiful. See, so shout-out to, <laughs> so shout to Brandon Goldner, do. though. You're, uh, Matt, you're obviously channeling your uh, inner Brandon Goldner again, doing your old uh, impersonation of our <laughs> former host here, uh, because he always accused me of saying I wanted the refs to be robots, and, and you are exactly right. That sounds, uh, <laughs> that sounds like the goal we're moving towards. Let's move uh, towards a different goal. Let's see if we can realign our season expectation for the Blazers after the decimating injuries the, uh, to our starters and to our roster in general. We've now heard talk about possible trade potential. We heard the other day that Cleveland is willing to make Kevin Love available to teams for trades. I have a certain level of cynicism with this and sarcasm. Uh, Kevin Love is not my ideal candidate. Uh, I think, again, shout-out to Varun Bose. I don't know how many shout-outs he's getting this episode. But uh, he mentioned (laughs) he wants Kevin Love here as well. And I think when he saw that Cleveland was making him available, he was like, Portland, let's go, or time to come home, or something like this. And I responded with a gif of Aldridge back in the Blazers jersey, because I think Aldridge would be the better fit. And I think Spurs uh, trying to get... um, trying to go with the youth movement and trying to do their own rebuild down in uh, San Antonio. I think we could get alders back up here for probably a fairly reasonable price and i think it's a better deal than kevin love but either way (laughs) i'm not super pressured to make this deal at this point because now with this season with these injuries i'm not sure what they can really do to help us out or maybe one of you guys feel different do you think that if we could uh grab the right power forward could we fill this gap a little more and push on towards the playoffs and still uh still uh you know have that postseason run when nerd comes back healthy and you know whatever else happens
2: I'll let Matt go first here before I. All uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> well then, um, I think either of these guys uh, would be, as far as improving the team on the court. I think Kevin Love or LaMarcus Aldridge would would improve the help improve the team. I'd rather see LaMarcus Aldridge come back simply because I have a soft spot for Marcus LaMarcus Aldridge because he's a former Blazer. Um, I'm not sure what you can give up, but what you have to give up to get one of these guys, I'm not really cued into that. That line of thinking. Um, Either of them, I think, would would help the team. Um, But but again, of the two, I'd rather have Lamarcus Aldridge in here. But uh, I'll let uh, Ty go on his rant.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know how much of a rant, but I'm down for either of those players. They are both talented players. They uh, would be great in Blazer uniforms, either again or newly uh, seeing Kevin Love. Um, I'm all for Kevin Love. He's a talented basketball player. He's uh, I mean. Like, he's a big that can shoot. He can score at all three levels. He's got a high IQ. He's a great human. Like, he'd be a great, like, in the community slash locker room. He shoots the three ball, which is something the Blazers offense needs. They want bigs that can shoot. He's going to be better than Myers Leonard ever dreamed about being. He's going to be better than, like, uh, than like Tolliver or Hazonia or... I mean, like, he's probably even better than Carmel Anthony. Like, he's a talented basketball player. Like, I know he has a huge contract. I know he, like, might have injury concerns. Like, for me, I think all players maybe have injury concerns. Like, with Kevin Durant, he's had two or three serious major concerns, and he's coming off a of torn Achilles, and he got a max contract going in next year. Yes, I know that's Kevin Durant, but still, like, if he has injury concerns. Like, teams don't care when it comes to talent. And I think <laughs> Kevin Love has got talent, and I think yeah. he at least can come into Portland and – fit with Damian Lillard, we've seen Melo come in and play well, and he, like, with him, like, he's not the best offensive player anymore, his defense is not very good, but I don't think people seem to care when he's scoring 20 points and he's winning player of the week, people are like, Carmelo, best player ever! Like, I was yelling it, I mean, biasly, but same thing with Whiteside, I think there's people who like, talk about Whiteside not being all bought in, but all of a sudden when he puts up 18, 10, three blocks, people are like, Whiteside, <laughs> best center in the league, let's go Blazers. Like I think Blazer fans are just like really kidding themselves when they say they don't want Kevin Love because I know when he would wear like a Blazers uni on a Tuesday night and he scores 30 points and he puts up 15 <laughs> rebounds and he goes six of whatever from the three-point line, And he just looks fresh. I know Blazer fans are going to be like, oh, about the contract. No, they're going to be like, Kevin Love, why would not we do this three years ago? Best fit next to Damian Lillard he's ever had. Like, I just think people are so (laughs) funny with that. Like, they act like they would not want Kevin Love in Portland. Yes, you want Kevin Love in Portland. He's a talented basketball player. As fans, we want to see talented basketball players on the court. Let's not be armchair GMs and break down cap yeah. and break down <laughs> injuries. That's not our job. That's Neil O'Shea can figure out players to build around him. They have guys that crunch numbers who just sit there and look at cap and how to make money work. They'll figure it out. Like I know they would know the concerns of bringing Kevin Love in with this contract, but they would make it work. Ah, there's my rant. Uh, I think same thing with LaMarcus Aldridge, and I think same thing with yeah. LaMarcus Aldridge. Like people Definitely would. Qualifies. I think people would all hate Lamarcus Aldridge, but as soon as he comes back, people would be like,
2: yes, Lamarcus
1: Aldridge in a Blazers uniform.
2: Absolutely. And, and to answer the second part of Keith's question, uh, the the optimism train, right, has many, has many stations. You can yes. jump on <laughs> at any point. And Love it. Uh, I think definitely, uh, if hopefully Nurk can come back um, sometime around the spring, uh, you can absolutely run off 10, 13 wins in a row mm-hmm. and get right back in this thing. Uh, they're not out of it yet. It's getting close to the point where you start to worry because it's, uh, you know, uh, a third of the way through the season, I guess now. And um, yeah. but there's absolutely plenty of times. NBA season is just so long. There's plenty of time to turn things around. And if you were to bring in guys like this, again, I don't know what you'd have to give up to get them, but mm-hmm. if you can bring in guys like this, uh, they absolutely would help.
0: Well, and Ty, I think what you made, I think the point you made at the end of your rant was uh, the the real cap on the whole thing is that you could say the same, the same thing about Aldridge. Uh, there are fans that hate on Alders just as much. As there are fans that hate on Kevin Love at this point. Maybe not as as much. I think I'm a little more right in this than you are, but whatever. Uh, but you're you're correct in theory that uh, they're like either one has their faults, their problems, uh, the contract to deal with. But that's not our issue as fans. Our issue is to want to build a good team in here, and either of them are talented players who could put up production. Uh, Let me throw to this listener poll that we put up about this and some of the names they threw in, and then I want to ask one final question on here before we move on to the next one. The poll was LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Love, or other, they could write in below, or no trades. We had 4% say no trades. So 4% of the people, that might be just maybe the fans who are going for the tank. Maybe the idea that, like, no, we're not wanting talent. We just want to, like, you know, let this season go and move on to the next one. Uh, You know, not necessarily saying they're wrong. I'm not trying to criticize the tank thing. Uh, We had 30% say Kevin Love. 54% 54% say Aldridge uh, and we also had some suggestions for uh, Daniil Gallinari Blake Griffin Otto Porter Iggy Iggy Crowder oh okay yeah go for it. he's both. just combining them
1: into one nickname
0: someone else even pointed out Stephen Adams so maybe he's trying to say Ship White sat out on this and bring Steven Adams back. I'm not really sure if you have both of them on the same team. But do any of those names appeal? Anyone in there? And again, so getting back to your point, Ty, yes, we want more talent on the team. Any of these guys are going to be someone where you could find some complaint about Blake Griffin, injury issues and contract issues the same way as Kevin Love and Aldridge that we're talking about. Uh, But if there's one name that appeals more to you than another, between Aldridge, between Love, Blake Griffin, Otto Porter, uh, Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, who do you put at the top of that? I like, mean, like your, I mean, top two are probably Kevin Love and Aldridge, right? Um,
1: I would put maybe Gallinari at the top. I really like his skill set. Um, I don't know if we we'll just go and get him since he's on an expiring deal. Yeah, uh, Kevin Love, we'll just put two because I feel like I just gotta put him there now. And then <laughs> um, three. I mean, I'm down for LaMarcus Aldridge to come back. I think it would be awesome to have him come back. Uh. But somebody like an auto Porter or like that who can make things happen—about six nine, six ten—can uh, he can play small forward, power forward. Uh, he's got a big contract, but I think somebody like that who's maybe not st- as stuck in a, like one position, like he's not just a big, like he can play big and forward, and he can also handle the ball. So someone like that would be nice.
0: That's a good point, actually. Uh, Matt, not trying to jump on you. Do you were you adding to what he was saying? or you?
2: Um, my, my top three would be a little different. I'd, I still have uh, Aldridge up top. I think Ganil, uh, Gallinari would be an interesting addition. And then maybe Kevin Love third there. Um, Blake Griffin's not really on my radar anymore. But now that uh, I've heard Ty's rants, um, I'm kind of <laughs> maybe I'm changing my perspective. I don't worry so much about injuries. You just want to build the best team you possibly can and then,
0: uh, throw them out. over there. there. That's a fair point. And look, I mean, I think actually, Ty, what you were just saying too kind of leads into my next piece as far as if we get away from those big names of Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and Kevin Love and focus more on guys who could be small forward, power forward kind of wing combos like that. Daniel Gallinari, Otto Porter, Andre Godala, Jay Crowder, all those guys might be able to play more of that role. And what I think that, why I think that might be important is what that would allow us to do is keep Mello at the power forward spot because... I feel like he's played small forward in the past, and that has always been kind of one of these issues where I, what we're seeing from him right now, he's a big dude, and especially in his older age, he doesn't have the speed necessarily to get up there like a small forward, uh, like, like, like what you would want from a small forward, I guess is what I'm saying. But if we could keep Melo at the power forward and ha- slot in an Otto Porter or an Andre Iguodala, uh, that could be uh, another small forward that can like stretch the whole f- floor from the wing, has some veteran presence, has some good defense. That might be the way that it might start to lean more. Lean more. And that would be probably less of a contract tie-in than these guys like Aldridge and Kevin Love and Blake Griffin.
1: Yeah, I think like a guy like Jay Crowder or something like that, who's just a uh, knows their role, good player, not gonna doesn't need the ball, doesn't need to be a vocal points, but just they are hard nosed guys like that. I think that'd be a good fit for the Blazers. And yeah, save money if that's what people are about, then yeah, go get guys who are gonna not hurt the cap.
0: Am I crazy though? Like, can we? Could we play Melo at the small forward, or am I right that he seems to be doing much better at the four? Matt, what do you think? Like, where were you? At, like, is Melo still someone that can move around, or are you with me that maybe at this point he's better at the four, and we maybe target some smaller dudes around him?
2: Well, you know, before the before they got Carmelo, I probably would have thought that he's a liability on defense. But having seen him play, I think he's better on D than I thought. Even staying with some of these younger, more athletic small forward types. So. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty comfortable with him playing the
0: small. Okay. Yeah, I could see. I mean, he is holding up a lot better, and it's a fair point too. For all the reputation that precedes him about it, being a defensive liability, he's not always there. But we've seen him go up for rebounds pretty hard. We've seen him yell at his teammates even get the, <laughs> f- on the ball or like you know. somebody. <laughs> I, I think it was
1: one of the assistant coaches told. I think it was on the Rip City report with JC like with like Casey Holdall on them on their podcast. They were yeah. talking about. I think it was Nate Tibbets or one of the coordinators, uh, was saying that he's the best defensive communicator that they've had in eight years since the Blazers. Like he's not that the best defensive is. player is, yeah, but he's the best defensive communicator they've they've seen or had in Portland. Like even now, like he's he's a smart basketball player.
0: And again, so again, it's just another example that he is bringing a positive influence with his veteran presence and just kind of being a good example for these dudes and if we get more guys yelling around the court like that it's something we used to see from myers i don't know if he ever really got the credit but he yeah. was a very vocal defender you could hear him on the broadcast sometimes and i gotta be honest mellow's louder Melo is a lot louder on these broadcasts you can definitely hear him on the floor and you know exactly what he's saying when he's dropping those f-bombs uh i'm not totally convinced that i want to see him at the small ford so yeah maybe we go with since we are talking this season, right, we're not talking long term necessarily yet. So if we're talking about what we can do this season to kind of push for the playoffs and keep going. Maybe the answer is to not worry about an Aldridge or Kevin Love or Blake Griffin with a big contract and someone that we have to think about the future of down the line. But more look at some of these guys that we could bring in at the small forward spot, leave Mello at the four and maybe at the end of the season, be like, all right, now we have a trade piece or now we have someone that we can like leave here and develop long term. We'll see how that goes. Something lighter before we let you go, Matt. And thank you so much for staying with us. I know it's been a long one. Let's uh, talk about something else that came out earlier this week. Not only did Mellow get player of the week right after our last episode, but Mellow's contract was guaranteed by the Blazers. So he had until I believe January 9th is what it was uh, where we could have just let him go. And we hadn't until January 9th to guarantee the contract. And we did it on, what, December 6th or whatever it was yesterday. Or, or 5th, maybe, I guess, the day before. Uh, that alone, I think, is an interesting point that we didn't wait till the end. I think this is something where they're saying, yeah, we like what you've been doing here. We want to keep you here uh, on the team. We don't want there to be a question of that. So how are you guys feeling? Is this a, uh, you know, let's let's throw this on the mellow meter. How are you? Uh, I don't know, Matt, if you've heard on the recent episodes. We, we're trying to get this thing going. We're trying to. We're still establishing exactly what it's going to be used for. But we're going to have a mellow meter as far as. Uh, uh, and if this sucks, guys, I'll just cut this out. Uh, <laughs> but the mellow meter, the, the top of the meter being Olympic mellow, then you've got hoodie mellow, Houston mellow, and OKC mellow going down the scale there. Or, or you can fill in your own mellow. Last week Tara was talking about a uh, Olympic mellow light or like a uh, junior Olympics mellow, talking about maybe someone kind of in between Olympic and hoodie. But if you were to rank mellow's importance to the team uh going here forward for the rest of the season where would you put that on the on the mellow meter between olympic and okc mellow olympic being
2: peak mellow is yes that, uh, the idea? yeah olympic uh, hoodie
0: Houston, sure. okc and whatever other mellow you want to throw in.
2: well f- in light of hood's injury and the fact that the blazers are wounded walking wounded <laughs> uh, some, sometimes not even walking that well. Uh, he's, he, his importance to the team is definitely Olympic Mellow. Whether he can bring that every night or not is another question. But um, I, I think as long as we get at least Hoodie Mellow, uh, ho- Hoodie Mellow will be will be okay. But he definitely needs to, you know. And I'm sure he knows this. Uh, someone has to make up for. It. Even though Rodney Hood was only scoring 11 points a game, someone's got to make up for that. And uh, even that 11 points wasn't helping them win very often. So he definitely needs to bring that Olympic Mellow
0: vibe. Um, as far as I'm concerned. So you're good with a guaranteed contract. Ty, do you agree?
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, just to answer that question. Uh, uh yeah, I was I was f- happy to see that.
1: Yep, I'm all I'm all for it. I was glad they did it. I think it looks good on the I mean, it I think it goes in I think the Blazers are almost playing that little like political like NBA game where like, yeah, look what we did. We gave Melo his contract early, we we're player friendly here, stuff like that. Ah. So
0: thinking ahead so there you go there's they're playing the long game I can just see little that.
1: stuff like that i think because i think people really respect carmelo like i think a lot of players around the league do so i think if the blazers have this reputation of they are treating legends well or they're treating guys around the league they're treating stars well this is how they treat stars even guys who were out of the league for a while he's still a star and they're, they're treating him well stuff like that i think it That's, pays well that-
0: That's some good insight, dude, because, I mean, one thing we can all agree on, one problem Portland has had over the years has been attracting the free agents. The free agent stars have not been quick to come to Portland. And a lot of that, I think, is outdated ideas on what Portland is. You know, the problem with uh, uh, income tax up here, uh, and, and you know the, the the rainy weather and all the rest of it, but then you see players who come up here and fall in love with the place and absolutely love it, much like Hood. Uh, shout out to him again. Hey! The unfortunate uh, turn with all the rest of that. But, uh, right,
2: but you know, of course, Mello was one of the players that uh, they tried to get to come here in the past and didn't. Right, so right. He, he yeah. kind of had. He's seen both sides now, right? So. Well,
0: and, and there were some articles uh, on that as well in the past. I think from Quick as well, like we talked about with the most recent article between Mello and LeBron. But he talked about. In past seasons, just some of the draws, his his kid and the distance that he would put between them uh, coming all the way up here to Portland, uh, there were things that he wanted to avoid. And now I think having that year off maybe did put it a little more in perspective as far as how much he missed the NBA game. And that is maybe a little more of the reason. So I'm, I'm not saying it's okay. And, you know, we heard from Dame over the summer, too. Dame said, look, we tried to get him before, and then we tried to get him again. He didn't come then. He's not coming. So Dame pretty much gave up on it. But obviously, Dame is pretty stoked to have him here. Uh, and, Ty, like you said, players respect him. We see... What we're seeing from Dame and CJ and, and even the young guys on the roster here, players look up to him. And so, yeah, if sure. if the Blazers are smart enough to say that if we treat this dude well, then other players are going to see that. Then yeah, this is one more win that Melo is bringing us.
2: It's absolutely right. important to. Re- it's, I'm sorry. It's absolutely important to remember what the players think of this guy. Yeah, uh, he's a legend, and, and most of these guys, if not all of them, grew up watching him play. You know, so uh, it's absolutely important that you listen to the players. Uh, I'm sure they had some input. I know Dame has a lot of input into. Uh, things like that. It's important to, to recognize that. So I'm glad the Blazers did it.
0: So uh, just to tie this in with what we were saying a minute ago about the uh, trades too, a uh, friend of the show, Eric Griffith points out, shout out to him. Hey! The Blazers will not be able to include Carmelo Anthony in any trade packages since he signed after November 6th, three months before the trade deadline. This guarantee uh, Guaranteeing his contract does not change that restriction. So again, this isn't uh, something about getting him involved in a trade to get him out of town. He's a Blazer for the rest of the season at this point. Eric also pointed out Rodney Hood also has a trade veto. So you're not gonna see Rodney Hood traded away, and you're not gonna see Melo traded away. They are Blazers, uh, at least for the rest of the season so thank you listeners and remember you can write us at any time about anything tell us what you think about Melo's contract getting guaranteed what trade options we should be pursuing whether it's small forwards or these big name power forwards uh, anything relating to the Blazers we will answer it we will get, uh, get that on the show and thank you Matt George Moore really appreciate you coming on the show man it's been a while since we've had you but it's nice to get you on the next generation the new edition of Trailcasters here if uh, listeners wanted to reach out to you on social media what is the best way they could do so I'm pretty
2: active on Twitter. Uh, it's at Matt George Moore. Um, say hi, give me a follow. I usually follow back, and uh, yeah, that's where I, that's where you'll find me.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much. back. Shout out to our sponsors again, Clearly Speaking and Envy Adventures. Clearly Speaking can help you uh, at, at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Brenda can help you with any sort of speech, uh, stress, fatigue, stutters, anything you have going on. Uh, for me, it's usually acceleration. I speak way too fast when I get, get excited, so I'm trying to slow that down and get back to that nice, lovely baritone. Uh, <laughs> and if you would like to... Get up in the air, see some beautiful, relaxing scenes around Portland. You can go and talk to Corey over at Envy Adventures. That's enviadventures.com. Check out all the sites around the beautiful Northwest, including Portland, Mountain Hood, the Dunes, the Gorge, anything you want to see. As low as 50 bucks on the site. And I think even the high end of the prices, uh, the long trips, the full day trips, probably only about $120, $140. You split that between you and a couple friends, that is not much at all for the beauty you get up there and see. And eventually, Ty, you and I are getting up there for an episode. And it's going to uh, if if the audio is understandable, it's going to be amazing.
1: <laughs> one day,
0: one day. Speaking of speaking of amazing things, we have uh, we're having an awesome uh, week. What week seven, I think, in the fantasy league right now. Yeah, week seven. Yeah. Wow, we're approaching the halfway mark, man. We're flying, flying by. Uh, I am having an awesome week. I mentioned last week that I uh, there were only a few undefeated teams left in our league. Oh, and dang it. Actually, I think this guy Oak Grove, shout out to him, Oak Grove OGs He was, I think defeated last week for his first game and I am about to hand him, hopefully hopefully I'm not jinxing into here, knock on wood I'm about to hand him his second loss this week I'm leading by a good 200 points, and I thought actually that I was leading our entire league in score, but it ends up that uh, Ryan Whitty over with Vancouver Taco Corp, and I think Mr. Rip City are both outpacing me at this point. So, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that bragging out of it this time. How are you doing, Ty? How's your matchup?
1: I am down nine points currently, but I got one, two, three players playing today, so I should should beat the Rose City Beardiest.
0: Nice, nice. I see Hopefully, you. I see you there.
1: fingers crossed. Bradley
0: Beal's looking good for you. So you got 136 out of Beal, but I. Uh, who do you think is the highest performer? Like, wh- who do you uh, around the NBA? Who do, which player do you think has done the best in our fantasy league this week?
1: Probably Luka Doncic.
0: Doncic is not a bad guess. Let me see if I can or find Doncic Or here. Doncic got 139. Harden's got 127. But uh, let's see. Even Anthony Davis. I saw him on here. He's on this list somewhere. Don't worry, I'll cut some of this dead space out. Anthony Davis has got 163, but Jimmy Butler, 178. Jimmy Butler's uh, killing it this week, so I'm surprised for him. But uh, shout out to Babbitt's Bad Habits. uh, Holding Jimmy Butler, unfortunately, looking in a loss for that one, too. All right, uh, I think that's enough Fantasy League. Let's move
1: on. So for last weekend, uh, I sent you some lines, Keith. Uh, I got you on December 3rd. At the Clippers, I said the Clippers would open up as four-and-a-half-point favorites if both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play. I was completely wrong by that. I think it was like, uh, I don't know, I think it was nine-and-a-half they opened up as.
0: That's okay. Like I said, we were throwing that game out today as far as discussion. And I think even last week with Tara when we were making those bets, we both said, you know what, we don't feel comfortable enough to take a side on that one. But we took the yeah. next bet. So what's the next line you had? I had
1: home against the Kings. I thought the Blazers would open up as three and a half point favorites. They opened up as I think three and a half point favorites and then they got moved up to four. Yeah, uh we took four the and five. Actually it jumped up to five when uh, the Kings didn't have Bodanovich or
0: Jumped all the way to five for the Blazers. But yeah, we, I think uh, Tara and I were both on, even at three and a half. So yeah, we're with you on that. Nice. So, and I took the Blazers at
1: five and won money on that one. So I was nice. Um, (laughs) Oh, the the real life. They had home against the Lakers, uh, which was yesterday. And I had the Lakers opening up as minus one. And they actually opened up as minus three and a half. And I really wanted to take that, but I couldn't bet against the Blazers. I should have. But I couldn't stand to watch the game <laughs> and then hope for a loss yeah. or something. And right, also, yeah, I almost bet on Anthony Davis because his over-under for points was 26 and a half. And he had that basically at halftime. So see, I was going to really put some money on the Lakers yesterday, but my, my Blazer fandom got to my heart.
0: Well, see, I'm cool. I like what you did, though. I, I agree with you where I wouldn't be able to bet. On the Lakers winning that, I wouldn't be able to take that line against the Blazers. But I can do the thing about a player. Like I can say, "Oh yeah, I know that Anthony Davis is gonna go off for twenty six or more." Yeah. I can bet on that one I
1: knew. Yeah, more. I should have. I should at least taken that because I knew there's like I, I just, I mean, as a Blazer fan, I knew we can't stop any bigs. And after what Rashawn Holmes did <laughs> to us, I'm like hey, yeah, if Rashawn right. Holmes can go for twenty eight and ten, Davis is getting twenty eight and ten in his sleep against us. So.
0: So yeah, easy bets going forward. For sure. And
1: then we took the Thunder. I sent you the Thunder, which hasn't happened. Wait, no, that hasn't happened yet. So,
0: oh, you sent us a Thunderline for Sunday because we weren't sure when we'd record this weekend. Yeah. Ah, okay. And I have the so Blazers
1: opening up as minus five, so I guess we can just jump, jump right into this yeah. week. Swing I said it on Blazers on over. minus five when I sent you that last week. Today, when I wrote it, I wrote Blazers minus two. So, oh, you wrote minus
0: two for OKC now. So, so you're losing some with, confidence. With no Rodney
1: Hood. I don't know. I, I don't know what Vegas is gonna think. I don't know if they really like I know what Matt was saying before. He was like, Yeah, he's only scoring eleven points and we haven't been winning that many times with him always scoring eleven points. So I don't know if Vegas is really gonna make a yeah. big difference on it or not, but I think they'll they might. So I'll put two, two and a half maybe. The the Thunder are just they're just good this year. They're scrappy. I mean they're not they're not they're not bad. They have a good solid squad. Chris Paul's played well. That thing yesterday where he snitched on Jordan Bell coming off the bench with his right, with his right. jersey untucked—that is the most Chris Paul thing ever. <laughs> I don't know what other player like in the league would know the rules that you can't come off with an untucked jersey, and uh, and Culling then that, that and then that would be their second delay of the game throughout the game, which then causes a technical foul, which is the name of winning the game. Wild. Uh, so yeah, Sm- anyway. I mean, you gotta
0: say smart play by Chris Paul, but also my God, the petty.
1: The yeah, he's just, he's just ridiculous. But you know what? He knows the rule book. He's playing within yep. the rules. And yeah, you gotta... it's within
0: the rules. So uh,
1: I got Blazers opening up as two and a half point. I'd say, I'll i say two point favorites. Um,
0: For OKC? So, yeah, you are giving the edge to the Blazers. You're just saying it's a narrower edge now.
1: Yeah, because uh, they are home. I mean, yeah.
0: I, I, I got to take the blazes on that, man. Yeah, I, I think uh, after last night, at the very least, let's have a, a game for Hoodie, you know, one of those yeah. where they kind of put it together, and they got to rely on other guys now. OKC okay, has not really been able to answer us uh, previously, so yeah, let's, uh, let's go for a good one at home.
1: Yeah, so we'll take that, and then uh, ne- two days later, um, on the 10th, they play the Knicks. The Knicks just fired their head coach, Dave Fisdale. Right. They'll play one game before they play us, so... I mean, I don't. You can take that with a grain of salt if that's really going to matter. The Knicks could. I don't. I think the Blazers are going to open up as eight and a half point favorites.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, it, yeah, it, I, and it could
1: even be bigger too. But Knicks are just I, I not mean,
0: good. I. I. I should, so it's funny because this is where it gets tricky with uh with these betting lines. Because on one hand, I definitely think Blazers are, are favored over the Knicks, but then when that line gets established. How much confidence do you have in the Blazers to win a game solidly instead of being a yeah. close game? This right? might be
1: something where you, if you do bet on the Blazers, you just bet on the money line. You just you bet on them to win regardless if it's one by if it's regardless what it's by one by ten whatever. Just it a pick'em be. bet kind of thing. Yeah, they'll probably open up as uh, like you'll have to like you'll I bet you they'll probably open up as like minus three ten favorites. So like you'd have to bet three hundred and ten dollars to win one hundred dollars. Like those are the odds, but if you just want to win some money, you can throw some money on that and
0: get a little bit back.
1: That might be the safer bet.
0: The safer bet would be taking just kind of the, the winner line, like you're saying, but it is but the, the Knicks. Like it is the Knicks. <laughs> it's the Knicks. Uh, let me take a small side tangent on this real quick. Yeah. How, uh, and you know, I gotta be honest too. Shout out to Holy Backboard, uh, Sage and, uh, Dustin Hawes over at, uh, uh, Holy Backboard. They, I think, mentioned on their on Twitter that Fizdale would look really good up here as an assistant coach. I got to agree, man. He's a defensive oh. mind. He's a dude who uh, he was coaching the the Grizzlies Basketball for a junkie. long time. Yeah, yeah, he'd be a, a great look up here in Portland. I'd like I to would love it. That.
1: He's a uh, he got a bad rap with the Knicks. I don't care who what coach would be there. You could put Greg Popovich in the Knicks. He probably would have got fired. Like that that organization is just ridiculous. That's what Steve Kerr said. He was like, yeah, like that would have been me. After three years. So, (laughs) I mean, so I made the right decision going to the Warriors. So I don't blame David Fisdale. He's a good head coach. He's a basketball junkie. He, I mean, like that dude started from like breaking down film in the Miami Heat film room and started from that and then made his way from assistant coach to head coach to, I mean, yeah, he'd be a great assistant. I would love him. I don't know if the Blazers will be able to get him to be an assistant. He's going to be, he'd be one of the most highest paid assistants in the league, but
0: that's probably true. He'd be a good one, though, man. Uh, shout out to Fizz. Oh, yeah. get, get up here, Fizz. Get up to Portland. Uh, take he's got that later. And he's
1: got that LeBron <laughs> James connection, you know? So if you want to put Fizz with Carmelo, and then you can be all the speculation you want about LeBron coming to Portland.
0: Hey, I like where we're going with this.
1: By the way, I just uh, I just checked out my betting app, and the Blazers are four-point favorites tomorrow against the
0: uh, Thunder. Four-point favorites. Okay, so they so give him right a little more Right. In the, well, yeah. I guess yeah. You're right. You had originally said five, and now we're saying what? What was it? Two and a half today? I said or something? two and a half. Yeah. two, yeah. two Two and a half. So yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll take four still, though. I'm okay with that. That's that's close enough where I feel good about Portland having that getting that win today. The Knicks one though, the nine point favorites. I mean, yeah. I gotta take Blazers. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. Let's just have a good big win on on that game against the Knicks. A oh. good win. And
1: then they travel two days later to play the Nuggets. Nuggets have been kind of struggling this year, but. Vegas still all the betting lines really like to favor the Nuggets. They're gonna be at home. Blazers has been I mean, Blazers have been good on the road, but I mean against really good teams haven't really shown up. Uh I'm gonna put Nuggets open up as five and a half point favorites.
0: Okay, okay, I like that. That's and I'm with you too. Nuggets are a good team, but I feel like they are definitely in kind of a low spot right now. Jokic is looking like he's struggling recently. I've been seeing some clips of him and just he's not he's not having a good time. Uh, real side tangent, real quick so, yeah. about Jokic. He arguably people
1: have given him a ton of hype, right? Like, people are he's the best big in the league, all this stuff. He's the next to bonus, all that stuff, right? Like, people are all about him during the playoffs. The whole playoff run versus the Nuggets. Jokic is the best player on this on the court, all this stuff. If he came back after this season, he should have been like, like. I feel like he should have went to this offseason working really, really hard to like really like get his body better and his game better. Yes. He came back fatter and no <laughs> one's talking about it and Thank nobody you. seems to care. Let's say that's Damian Lillard. He's getting murdered oh God, by everybody. Right? Let's say that's Kawhi Leonard. Let's say it's Paul George, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, Anthony, anybody else who gets all the hype as being a top player or even like Carl anthony Towns, like who's up with the Minnesota Timberwolves. People right. would be giving them crap. Jokic comes. Nobody's. Really, they're just like, yeah, he's bigger, but like no one's giving him crap, and I, I don't know if it's just because he's in Denver, but people had a ton of hype for this team, and now they're not showing up, but like they don't get any like discredit.
0: No, I'm with you, and look, I want to add Luka Doncic to that. Uh, is it Doncic or Doncic? Doncic, uh, Luka Doncic. Doncic. Okay, um, thank you. Always, always good Don't to you dare bash Luka Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not bashing him. Not bashing Luka at all. But I'm saying, as far as there's been talk of like he used to be a little heftier, and he's come over here and you know has kind of really adjusted more now to the uh, to the NBA yeah. as far as like you can see in his body. And I agree with you. There's no excuse for uh, Jokic to look like he does, man, with all the hype and being the center of that team at this point. Even Nurkic. Nurkic had issues before with his weight. Mm -hmm. We've seen him make serious, like, visible physical changes. Jokic should have came
1: back looking like a sculpted, like, just came back chiseled, like what Giannis did. Remember when Giannis had that crazy summer?
0: Yeah, at the very least, like from what he was, you just want to see him having gone the right direction. And I agree with you that I haven't seen any evidence that he's lost weight or in better shape. I feel like he looks like he's in worse shape. He looks more gas. He looks heavier. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, you know, uh, not quite as mature, right? The fame maybe got to him a little bit. It can happen. But you know what, and I just Ty, think the hype got me-
1: all, I think that hype got too real for him.
0: Will you convince me, man? Uh, I was nervous about that five and a half line with Nuggets uh, favor for that one, but I'll take the Blazers on it. Uh, let's do this. Let's get a let's get a good week after we had some <laughs> more injury suffrage. Let's get uh let's get back on top here. And, and like hey, it. that would be a road win too. So that one, we if, if we lose that, I'll throw it out again. It won't even count for yep. the month because we're just It'll looking at the count. home wins. But if, but if it wins, uh, if we win that one, then yes, take the Nuggets down and Jokic is overrated. <laughs> Hey, look, I I love it, though, man. I feel like we got uh, not just one Tyrant today, but two. Uh, I feel like we got bonus. As I get more comfortable, we'll get more. You know what else is lovely? I'm sure the listeners will appreciate it as well. Not just bonus Tyrants, but they appreciate basketball cards. So we had, let's see, it was five people writing into the listener poll today. Then we had Christian writing in uh, as well. And I also saw a tweet here from Spokeland. Is that right? Is that who it was? Yeah, Spokeland at Brutal Telling. Uh, they wrote in when we asked our oh, last call for a listener question this morning. They said, why aren't my defensive chants working? So, Ty, what do you think? Uh, wh- what is wrong with Spokeland's defensive chants? What's he doing wrong? I think I think he needs to be a little bit louder. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. Uh, at Brutal Telling, uh, we, we couldn't hear you over here, man. So you got to ch- chant defense louder. You need to be upsetting my dogs as much as I am. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay, so so thank you, that is seven We had five on the poll, then spokeland and Christian So I'm going to random.org And one through seven, the number generator is saying Five, so that is the last of the listener poll Let's see, number five, excuse me, going back here do, 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 do. Sir Weezy, at Weezy Sir, who answered Stephen Adams As far as who we should be trading for Not sure if I agree with your take on Stephen Adams But you are winning a basketball card from us this weekend Ty, what are they winning, what do you got?
1: A Fleer 1993-94 Cliff Robinson Six Man Winner
0: Uncle club. Cliffy, <laughs> love it, man. That's awesome. That looks beautiful. Uh, all right, so you're very welcome, Sir Weezy. Congratulations, at Weezy, sir. Get in touch with us, and we we'll, or we will get in touch with you. We'll send you that card. And listeners, thank you for listening. You can remember, you can always write us. At any time, about anything, you don't have to wait for the polls. You can just send us word, and you will get in the drawings for this. Preferably about Blazers, but we will take all of your thoughts if you just want to share some of the uh, some of the depression on the, on the injury front. Or anything else you're thinking about, the, the future of the team, we are here for you. We will take all of it. And Ty, if they want to reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, where can they reach us at? At the Trailcasters. And where can they reach you at?
1: At Ty Delbert. Or or at trailcasters at, t- at gmail.com
0: at, oh, oh no at tdsportscards oh
1: at tdsportscards <laughs> as well that's <laughs> and, where you can find both of me but if you're trying to email us something good you can email us trailcasters at gmail.com <laughs> there
0: you go there you go you can also find me at Rip City Keith. and if they're looking to rate us on iTunes Google Play Stitcher Spotify anywhere they find the podcast what are we looking for five stars always those five stars and this beautiful music from OR if they want to find that themselves they can find it where Ty
1: soundcloud.com slash Beats.
0: please always support your local beat makers as well as our sponsors Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show thank you Ty as always thank you to Odar for those fat beats and to our sponsors Envy Adventures and Clearly Speaking and to Matt George Moore for joining us today and thank you listeners for a great listening we hope you enjoy your Blazers your Rip City basketball and our latest episode thank you again and please come back next week for the next edition of The Trailcasters (laughs) Sweet.